Hi everyone, and welcome to the Whiteboard Podcast. Whiteboard is a podcast that invites recent design grads to be candid with faculty on their time as a student. These are the conversations that profs and students should have, but can't. Exploring the intersecting needs of students, faculty, the education system, and the job market as a whole. Welcome to the Whiteboard Podcast. My guest today is Louisa Bohaka. Uh, Louisa is a Colombian designer interested in pop culture, illustration, and books. She came to Canada to take the advertising and graphic design program, which she finished over one year ago. And since graduation, she's been working first as a graphic design intern and then as a designer at Target Marketing and Communications, an advertising agency in Newfoundland and Labrador. Louisa, welcome and thank you. Hi, Eric. Thank you for having me today. It's my pleasure and I really appreciate you coming because I, I know that you have a lot of great insights that can help out current students and I know that probably been thinking a lot about education and maybe have some insights that can help instructors like me as well. I thank you a lot also for being a, a, our teacher at Humber. It was a oh, great man. experience. I really appreciate it uh, and hopefully it's only going to get better for everyone. One of the reasons I thought it would be great to invite you is because you have a lot of knowledge about getting an internship and finding work. And I just thought maybe you could offer some insights in that area. Yeah, for sure. I was kind of worried at the beginning just because like we thought we were going to have this internship process with like, you know, the business cards and like our portfolios printed out and everything. And then uh, nothing just turned out how we planned. I actually had made some cards and I was super excited. But then, well, I realized I wasn't as delayed on my process migrating my work into mm. the internet. Mm. Um, just because I had already started um, doing my website before coming to Canada. Um, for coming to Humber, I had to show my portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to do it before I started before. <laughs> I thought that Humber got rid of the portfolio review as part of the application process. Uh, no, I had to I had to apply with a portfolio, but I already had my portfolio because I worked back home as a designer before coming here. So did, did you study design in Colombia? Yeah, I studied design, but it was not um, like centered on advertising. I, I studied four years in a bachelor, which was very like human centered design. Um, service design, which is not proper graphic design program, but they do teach you like like lots of the tools. So we saw like editorial, graphic, like kinds of those kinds of things. And then you had to apply them on your other classes. How did you find studying graphic design in a in a two year college program after having done a BA in a related field? Well, I think that I, I was able to compare them both. And I found that the college was better at emphasizing the technique, like the technical aspects, different from university, which is way more conceptual work. So like we did a lot of like readings and like a lot of rationales and a lot of work of previously. Um, And then on the like the two year diploma, it was more focused on the job aspect of it like what are you going to do when you go out what's the, t- the type of work on your daily basis and I thought that that was really interesting I didn't learn that in university like how to charge people or how like the structures of the agencies nothing I feel like it was a good complement to my four-year program 
Yeah, that's really cool. I, I like there are a lot of students who come into college and they've already done uh, a Bachelor of Arts or even a Bachelor of Science or, or maybe a BFA. And it's always interesting to hear what like make these comparisons or, you know, what what's learned in which and what's necessary. Yeah. Well, one of the things I did find I was losing a little bit at college was the importance of looking at each other's work and criticizing others' work without like being mean <laughs> is really important. Um, and I think I feel like that's a little bit that what I was missing on college experience I had here, just because I I think that you can learn from other people's work all the time. And they can learn from you too, right? I think critique is so, so important. Even when I'm grading student work, I've never been sharper as a designer because it forces me to put into words why something does or doesn't work. You know, then then when you're making your own stuff, you start doing that same thing with yourself. And that's why I think that design is really, really important because it's not only putting beautiful things on paper or on digital mm -hmm. or whatever you're doing, but it's also like, being really conscious of the decisions you're making so like always having a reason to do stuff even though like sometimes we have processes in which like we just think we're not thinking but we're actually thinking like everything's happening for a reason in the back of our minds and i think that's really important and it's actually something that i've like found at work i don't, I don't know if the right word to say this is my boss but yeah like he He's, he said like a couple times that it's really good that I always have like a rationale behind my thinking. That way you don't show up as insecure or, you know, like they always feel that you know why are you doing stuff and like you know how to back it up. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that, that's something I, I found that's really, really important like in the professional life and then that you learn by having critiques in college. Yeah, uh, some, you just said it's really important to have a rationale. And I think I, I've learned over the years that another reason why it's important to have a rationale is because the design is an outcome of the goals or like the, the design is a result of the goals. And it's basically impossible to, let's say, judge a design unless you know what it's intended to do. Because if you don't know that, all you can do is say like, oh, it makes me happy to look at it or I don't like to look at it. Uh, but that's really not the point, is it? Yeah, for sure. How are you going to measure it if you don't know what you're measuring it against? That's what I um, I think all the time. Like, what's my target audience? And this is like that brings me to the like importance of always having a reference mm. uh, and always having in the back of my mind that like I'm not going to invent the wheel. <laughs> so like mm. I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not like a new trend designer inventor or whatever like I just love or I feel like it's really important to look at a lot of references I mean you, you say that but I remember your work distinctly I remember you used colors that other people weren't using you used typefaces that other people weren't using and you used layouts that were not familiar to me um, compared to other students work and so you know I think you're doing yourself a disservice but um, sorry to interrupt. I just thought you should know. You should know that. Oh, thanks. <laughs> That's nice to know. Thank you so yeah. much. Uh, but like that all comes from like references. Um, mm -hmm. It's 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 nice because like um, I I've managed to 
create like a, my own little mark, my own little word or my, my way of like working with colors and types and pictures. Mm-hmm. And all that comes from training my eye basically. So what I, I, I would do back in college with I feel like it's a waste of money, but I learned a lot <laughs> is that they made us print like mood boards, but real mood boards. So we had to just like make basic collage. Right. Um, and that just trained your eye because it was not, not only design layouts, but it was like textures, images, mm-hmm. colors. Mm-hmm. And then that was training you. And then I, I have the same exercise, but I don't print them out. I just do like Pinterest boards and, or I take them to illustrator. And then I start saying like, okay, this is something that I like, but I'm not going to copy the design because what I like, for example, is the grid. Mm-hmm. So, or what I like is the, this color. So that's like a very important thing thing to have in mind is that like I'm not inventing anything new but I'm just like gathering all of this reference and just putting it to work and and I feel like that's what creates like nice results as you just said which makes me very happy <laughs> yeah I, I I never I never realized you had such like a, a cognitive and analytical approach to design uh, which is great because that's probably my approach but most people tend to think that design is about intuition and it's like you're born with it kind of thing. And I don't know if that's the case. I think it's something that you can train. I also think that it's something that you you definitely need to train it, um, but you always have to keep like being in the loop of stuff. Like you mm. can't just like have a book from, a, I don't know, 100 years old, or maybe you can. But like, just you just have to keep on with the trends or what's happening or reading. Um, and I feel like that's very, very important for a designer to have. Um, and also like being interested in not only design, but like, I don't know, photography or painting or music or collage. I, I used to do a lot of collage and I feel like that helped me a lot. I just did it for fun, but I definitely don't think that it is something you're born with. Well, maybe, mm. maybe people think it's a talent. I don't know. I just feel like sometimes, for example, if I stop designing for a while and I come back, I know I'm rusty. Absolutely. Like, like anything, like, yeah, some people are born a little more athletic and better artists and better musicians. But every top athlete, every top artist and every top musician is, has been practicing a lot, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, sure. Okay, maybe it's born, but like, that's not enough. You got to... You got to You got to exactly you got to exercise your muscle and then you have to do like something something that I really learned in the when I was doing like the exchange program back in Argentina is that they all everything they printed out and they cut it and they did grids with like mm-hmm. cutting paper and I thought that that was amazing because I see grids now everywhere Huh. It, like it's something that's just on my mind or I see fonts and you know I I know when something's really nice or there's detail that you just get and that just comes with exercise there's no way like you can just sleep on it or whatever you you just have to exercise and be very very aware of also like decisions I think like what what does the designer that did this like what was the decision behind this oh oh, yes intent decision yeah rationale yes yes yeah you know I yeah, you're so you're so on it with that. Um. Uh, yeah, just like every and I remember back in university, 
they always told you like what's your intent with this what do you want to achieve why did you make that decision and then you have to be able to support it and like even though like you're not sure sometimes you just have to Mm -hmm. go with it to to the end that process of being forced to think about what you're doing and why you're doing it even if what you say you think you mean to do isn't actually what the thing just making you do it is somehow effective (laughs) i can't really explain yeah yeah exactly um and i feel like that's very very important and it's something that um like i feel like maybe we we need to be trained on more i don't know if you remember i i also went to university before college and i noticed that everyone was very worried about learning the software we gotta learn the software there's not enough software training my teachers don't tell me how to use the software and i've been a computer geek my whole life so software has never been an issue for me So I was able to just absorb concepts and the kind of thinking behind design while I was in design college. Oh, that's great. I was very lucky. Yeah. But as an instructor, you're really constantly, constantly trying to balance because you you don't like if a students are telling you, hey, we can't use the software, you have to stop and show them. But at the same time, when you have two years or even three years, that's going to come at the expense of something else. Um, Oh, for sure. It's really hard to find that balance, that synergy, like you know, software that also teaches the concepts. I, I, I was thinking like, for example, our college had like two hour blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking, well, maybe half of it is practical. And then the other one is like, uh, you know, like half of it is quick prototyping with paper. And then mm-hmm. half of it is like passing it to XD, for example. Those kinds of things, I, I believe, work a lot. And I understand like the, the, the rush of like the program, but like, honestly, <laughs> I went to university and I had like a really, really crap uh, class of like programs, you know, it was first semester. Uh, we were supposed to deliver everything and done by like Illustrator, Photoshop, whatever. Our first deliveries, I don't know how to say that in English, but they were crap. Um, and we had to force ourselves to learn. So it's like, never rely your teacher holding your hand and taking you step by step. You know what I mean? Like you, you have to be yeah. also very autonomous mm-hmm. um, and like curious is basically the word I'm, I'm looking for because nobody showed me that, for example, my work is going to look better if I put it on a mock-up. Mm-hmm. I had to learn that. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the people that are going to hear this are going to be like, oh, helpful, or maybe not. But um, I find that sometimes all of those lessons, you don't learn them from your teachers necessarily. Mm-hmm. You just learn them from the craft. Mm-hmm. Man, like the times I had to suffer because I didn't save my files or oh, because I, I didn't know how to export files ready to print that were in mm-hmm. RGB or something like that. I had to learn that in like the horrible, the most horrible ways, um, like running across the entire campus late. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or cutting my fingers because I didn't put the line, the guidelines, you know, that you learn from the craft and from the years. And then sometimes you don't need to be rushed into it. And I feel like there's how, how you said it, a lot of pressure of like two year programs and 
like squishing a lot of knowledge and technical knowledge you know technical things you can learn them on youtube like i've learned a lot if not like half of the things i know googling um how to rotate a circle illustrator you know you just become a professional googler oh hell yeah but when it comes to technical training i mean i i taught myself front-end development yeah. off the internet like i never bought a textbook i used youtube and i used w3 schools and you know that now now it's what i do right yeah and it happened to me like once i was on, on my i think it was my second job back home um and my boss was like hey can you do a website and i was like no but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and the accomplishment I felt of like not needing anyone was amazing. It was like, oh, maybe I can, I can actually do this myself. I want to know what is the source of your confidence and your drive? And why are, why are you someone who just says, yeah, I, I'll learn it and I'll do it? Because not everyone can do that. And not everyone thinks they can do that. I have two older brothers and I'm the last small woman on my like household and I believe that that was something that was put into me mm. when I was really small so like oh you, you're saying me you're telling me that I can't do it mm -hmm. I'm just gonna try and do it and if I can't I'm just gonna see the way I can do it you know and also like um I've been told this a couple of times too but I feel it's also the consciousness of being a woman in like the professional world like you just sometimes need to do extra work just to like prove to people that you know how to do stuff you know what i mean especially in the, this field i was just reading the rgd creative earners survey it talks about income among designers and in canada women make women make less um controlling for all the things so yeah yep. so like you, you know what i mean like those kinds of things and it, it just pushes you like for me it's just it pushed me like uh, I, I was working on I, I worked I'm working at Target now and my boss was like I need my page designed and I know that you have your own website and I've never like for me I like after the first website I designed this was gonna be my second and I was like yeah I'll do it just send me whatever you need and I'll and I did it. And he was like, I just, I want this exact same website as this one. And I was like, okay, uh, how do I do this? Google, Google, inspect, Google inspect. <laughs> and I had to learn code in the process. And I was stressing out, but at the end, I was so happy. Yeah, man, I can do this. Nobody should be making you feel as if you can't. Um, because sometimes I feel like they just blow the proportion of the difficulties in a job just to like scare you off from from what i'm hearing is that you seem like someone who instead of getting scared off you get scared on challenge fires you up and when you said that it's maybe partially because you're the youngest i have the same experience i'm also the youngest of four and i like have this memory of watching jeopardy with my siblings and it just felt like they knew everything everything and you know i was probably five years old um, in a room where people were eight, eight, nine years older than me, thinking I have to be that good now. And it kind of like, I don't know why, it just really motivated me uh, in a healthy way to, 
be willing to accept uh, a challenge. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes you feel like that at work, and then you realize mm -hmm. like nobody knows what they're doing exactly. Uh -huh. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? <laughs> like. Yes, I know. Sometimes people are like super confident, and then you actually go and talk to them, and they're like, "No, actually, I don't know what's happening. We should ask." That takes me to to the importance of asking questions. Um, mm -hmm not only in college, but also at work. It's very, very, very important to ask questions. Like if the homework was not clear, if the brief is not clear, if there's something that you're missing, if you don't feel sure about something that you're doing, just ask. Like hmm. people are not going to get angry at you for asking. They're going to get angry at you for not asking and then screwing up. Right. You know what I mean? So it's very important. And I, I know that sometimes we're super, super shy. I tend to be shy because I'm not from here. I sometimes like I, I don't know how to say the words or how to say something in the exact phrasing. But I, I have lost that shyness through the years. And I feel like that is very important. Just ask questions. Yeah. And I, I, I want to just say as, a, as an instructor, The more questions people ask me, first of all, it makes my job easier because I know where the lesson should be steered. And if it's questions about an assignment I've written, I write that down. I revise the assignment for next year so that that question is answered or whatever, whatever the source of confusion is, I modify things. So like you're making it better for everyone down the road. Everyone in your class is benefiting. Exactly. And then you don't have to like read a work sometimes in, in, in my current job, give Some, somebody has to redo work because the brief was not clear. Mm. But they, they, you know, but when they present the brief to you, you didn't understand and then you didn't ask. My, right. my, my boss taught me that just ask, <laughs> just call me and mm. don't be shy and don't be thinking like, oh, I'm going to bother him or whatever. Just ask and yeah, like, mm -hmm. be, be yourself also with the people that you're working on with. It's weird because... I've never met my boss in this whole year, year and a half, but he, he has like a really, really good opinion of me. He calls me like when, if he needs something uh, apart from our job, I believe it's because I've been myself all the year, like through video calls and whatever. And I've, I met all the agency uh, through video and it's nice because they are, <laughs> I don't know how to say this, like being myself has added value to my work you know what i mean i i think so um are there any are there any concrete examples i know it's a, it's a tough ask we had to redesign we're redesigning the loyalist college image okay and i had to work with the owner of target and he had his views i had my views but like we kind of negotiated and i was myself during the process and I, the the way you're describing me to like super confident Even though sometimes I was super nervous because he was the boss, <laughs> but like kind of making jokes or trying to be like kind of chill and trying to understand where he comes from, what's his background, what's mine, what's the floor we both can stand on and whatever. And also like making my stand clear and that's being myself, confident person and nice. I've never been mean to anyone, nice. And after he presented the work, That it was a Friday. He called me on Monday saying like mm. everybody loved it. He was just calling me to congratulate me. 
it was he he told me that when he called me like thanks for being yourself thanks for standing up for your rational standing up for your decisions and like being confident because they sensed you're not being true to to what you believe the job's not gonna feel true mm. so yeah mm. and, and and he called me and then they gave me a raise oh wow yeah <laughs> good for you yes and, and i was surprised i like i thought he was he hated me but no <laughs> like it was really good for him and, and and he praised the way i am working and wow. I, I found that that's really amazing just being yourself if there's any uh, creative directors or, or managers listening i hope you're taking notes on how to motivate and get the most out of out of your colleagues <laughs> yeah for sure like it's it's amazing how a call can like lift you up and like make you love i i love target i love where i work they they've now invited me to go um for a week or two to newfoundland and labrador mm. just to, like know where they are know the team like meet the team and they just t tell me like everyone's dying to meet you uh because they they just just try to make those relationships with your peers try to make everyone's work easier it's something that i've learned and it makes like my my other peers very happy it makes me happy also because sometimes they can help me with stuff yeah it's amazing and, and i guess target won uh they won an agency of the year didn't they not too long ago maybe a couple of years ago yeah i think it was 2019 yeah they did um they are they have uh the tourism account for newfoundland and labrador um and they have like several other i've worked on and I've never like imagined myself doing the work that I do sometimes. I've never like uh, imagined doing like an, a newspaper ad. Um, mm. It's really exciting when I know that they're printed. Sometimes they send me copies because I never buy oh. the, the newspaper. <laughs> they send me also like they, they send me beer the other day <laughs> just to try wow. it. They're amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Man, I want to work for them. It's amazing. <laughs> And it was like getting getting the internship. I got it from at Hunger. Um, mm. Did I got you intern it. with with Target, and then they hired you? Yes, I did. Okay, okay. Yeah, tell I... us, yeah. So tell us about that. You know, we have a class. I think it's Creative Advertising Two that usually just work with a with an agency, right? And then you have like a real project with a real client, and the client is like the agency. CD or AD. So we did a project. I know I know just Justina and I. Justina also got an internship. She's a copywriter and she's also working now at Target too. We got we were in the same group and we presented our project. It went really well. After that, Target opened up spots. I applied. I had my interview with and it was nice. Like it was just having a conversation. Like he was telling me how how what's your work where have you worked or what have you done um i presented my i presented my resume and i think i had my portfolio on behance and on my website and it was it was easy to get the internship honestly i didn't have any issues um and also because i had like very urgent need of getting a, like an internship because of my visa so I wanted to get my postgraduate work permit as soon as I could, so I could get my PR as soon as I could. So I, I just wanted to like fly everywhere. And I, that's what I did basically when we got out. Um, I just started 
you know, applying everywhere. Honestly, I thought it was like a miracle because they're also like a paid internship. It was from home. And then after a month, I told him like, hey, uh, I just wanted to ask you if you could give me a, like a letter of recommendation because I knew that my, my internship's almost over and I, was, I, I just need to start looking for another job. And he was like, no, <laughs> uh, no, oh, wow. no, um, we're going to offer, let, let me talk to like the other, the other people in the agency and then like, let's negotiate something. And I was like beyond happy and he mm -hmm. managed to hire me. Yeah. It was, it was amazing, but I did apply, like I flooded indeed LinkedIn with my resume and my cover letters. And something that I found that's really useful is like tailoring your cover letter to whatever their ask is on indeed and LinkedIn, because I know that. Um, sometimes they have like these filters. I don't know if like they're like AI filters or something like that. And they usually filter your CV with the keywords that they put in their job description. Mm. I've, heard, I've heard that. Yeah. And I, I, I think that's something that's true um, because I, I don't have any proof, but I know that uh, if, or, or maybe it's something in my brain. I felt more confident when I was doing that, that than when I was not. And just like sending a random cover letter, you know, not tailored. Yeah, I, I, I follow the same practice. Yeah, I think it's really important. Like that is the way to go, honestly. And also um, what I did was I found a lot of agencies in which I wanted to work and just sent them my work. And like a nice cover letter, like hi, like just stating what I was I was doing or my interests, um, my achieves achievements, and some of them they answered, some of them they didn't. But I I didn't mind because I felt confident that I was doing the most that I could. You said um, <clears throat> you're showing you're showing the things you've done, and whether you're showing them in your portfolio or you're writing about them, um. One thing that's hard for designers, and I kind of struggle with it all the time, is to show my thinking behind things. Like, how does a portfolio show your thinking, your rationale, why you thought to do something? Um, how do you how do you communicate that on your applications and resumes? On my resume, what what I have is like under my description of my job and like the time I was doing it, I have just a little tiny paragraph of how I made that work better, maybe. So like, uh, I don't know, I designed this, this, and for that, uh, I specialized in print and web design and you know what I mean? That those kinds of things. But the, and in my portfolio and in, in my website, what I do, I, I'm very like picky with messy things. So I don't like showing sketches um, just because I don't like how they look. Honestly, and my sketches are horrible. Like I just like I use a pen, like a horrible notebook. Um, so what I do is like I try to tell like a story, or not a story, but just like try to build kind of a deck, but like a long deck, so you can just create a scrollable site where the story can be told, kind of thing. I don't know if I'm making myself clear. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I, I've seen examples on on Behance. Um... 
super inspired of, on Behance. I, I personally prefer like super clean mocks or maybe alternating clean and I don't know patterns and and I I just write tiny descriptors depending on the project right also mm. like if it's a branding well you you actually just tell that in the rationale of the brand or the tone or the voice it it depends sorry if it's not like a good practice but I don't like putting sketches on maybe a good way to do it is I don't know creating gifts that's mm. something that I've never seen but I feel like something interesting to the people that are hearing um that's something really really important is just to build your portfolio with things that you would like to work on it's like mm -hmm. a kind of a manifestation <laughs> project if you if you like that if you want to work on editorial put the work that's going to lead you to that ideal work that you want to get mm -hmm. um if you want to work on branding, put the, the, the works that are branding related, you know? And I know that it's sometimes hard to balance showcasing your skills and your thinking, but I believe that's something that's going to show with whatever that you do. Like your show, your, your work is going to talk for itself. So if you have a, a brand, well, make a GIF and they're going to know that you know how to make GIFs. Mm. And you don't need a full page to showcase that you know how to make gifts. Imagine um, an, an entire page just full of animated gifts. Yeah, you know what I mean? Or a full yeah. of video reels. Like you, you yeah. can in integrate your knowledge into showcasing your portfolio. Oh, that's brilliant. Right, right. Uh, actually, yeah. yeah, of course, right? Like, like it's like imagine being the word, uh, a web developer, a front end web guy. And your web page is, you know, a template. It just you can't, right? Or exactly, um, yeah. The work is going to come to you because if they see your portfolio and you're applying to like places that you're interested in, and they know that you know this is your area, well, they're going to call you instead of having like twenty five projects, all of different areas. Maybe you can like think of. I have one project, but I would like to integrate. Uh, I have this brand, but I want to show them also that I know how to do mobile apps. So I'm just going to design also like a very quick mobile app for this brand. And I didn't need to do a full other project to showcase that. Yeah, man, making a portfolio web page is, I don't know why, it's so, it's so hard. Um, it's hard. I feel it's hard because we as designers, always want to change up our work and not, and we mm. feel nothing is final um but like we have to be really aware that we have the right to change um if like for example i did something a month ago and i don't like anymore whatever i did i can just take it off or mm. you know what i mean like nothing is as eternal as we think it is mm. um and like we can change all the time and there's nothing wrong with that. And like, if, if you want to change your portfolio, like it, that, I'm not saying change your portfolio each month. You, you wouldn't um, have time for your jobs. Yeah, exactly. Just, just embrace that we're never final products. Like we're mm. always under development. Yeah, I, I know I'm never who I wish I would be. So yeah, and, and we always know. feel like, like that. Like, and that's okay. Well, yeah, like this is, how, this is you today. <laughs> so yeah. 
Yeah. And then you can change it later. So nothing is like as final as we think. I think that at first seems scary, but when I think about it, it's good. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and, and I was scared, like I had a portfolio last year and I had like these two colors and I loved them. And then now I saw it and I was like, hmm, I don't like them anymore. I'm just going to change those colors. I'm going to keep the same grid and layout and design. I'm just going to change a little bit how it looks now because I'm different now. I, I don't like those colors anymore. Mm. And then you realize you could just change it. You can change yourself as many times as you need. Yeah. You know, I guess it's kind of like just like in, in like your your living space, right? Like you can change the color of your walls, right? Like people do that um, and there may not be anything wrong with the colors, but you might just want to paint your room a different color. And Exactly. Yeah. And that's part of being a designer. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I, I look at my work for like from college and I'm like, oh my God. But then I'm like, well, look, look at now where I'm at. Maybe I did something. Um, nice maybe also in the past but that's not me now so i'm not gonna showcase it Hmm. (laughs) amazing i want to come back to something you said early on which is you you said that you sort of see i think you said you sort of see design everywhere you look like you're looking at something and you're like why did the designer do this or i see the grid here can you tell me like how that manifests in your life like what is that like when does it happen to you? And what are you thinking when it happens? Well, it happens all the time. We live in a world that's designed, even though we think it's not. It, it's part of my, I don't know if it's like a training I do, I do in my mind. But I, I do it on the TTC when I'm watching the ads on the subway. So I'm like thinking, okay, where's the grid? Uh, this is not aligned. Or what is this aligned to? I, I was seeing a, I don't know if it was a corner shop ad the yeah. other day and I was like oh but what why is this like that maybe it worked different like in another way or I I just tend to like think a lot about those decisions and what of or maybe mm. if it's nice I would say oh this is really nice I like this I take a picture um mm. I have I have I take pictures of the things I like um I did that more in university but it's a practice that I want to come back to because I believe it's like creating your own personal library of stuff you like kind mm-hmm. of thing. I, I like in my daily life, I, if you see my house, I have like kind of like imaginary grids, um, mm-hmm. my walls, the way I put my books, the way I organize them, the color of my sheets, like everything. And it's annoying because I always hate that 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 uh, designer vibe that people are saying. No, my life is designed. I don't like to say that, but when I think about it, yeah, like I I try to make everything that I do feel kind of designed or intentional. I don't know. I have this these sheets. So what's the best contrast that I get? I can get with these sheets. <laughs> I, I, it sounds freaky. But I, 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 I can't imagine not asking myself that question. Like, <laughs> like, although I have to c- confess some of my organization, like I tend to organize things by shape. So like I have art paints and I have calligraphy stuff and I have like sandpaper and I have glue and I have markers. These things, instead of being like markers are here and paint is here and tape is over here, I have things organized by like cylinders. So anything that's shaped oh. like a cylinder is in one drawer. 
like I don't understand sometimes the categories our brains create, um, the departments and the sort of the non-visual grids. Like, what are the uh, conceptual grids that exist in the world? That's 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 really interesting word, and I and I believe that every house is a universe, <laughs> and it's nice wow. to think about it like that because like you you give meaning like whatever you give meaning to that becomes your reality. Um, so like for me, it's shape like for, I love color and shape. Um, mm -hmm. so like my, my house, if I could paint a wall, I would paint a wall. That's the way I organize my, my world. And yeah, like I, now thinking about it, I like mm -hmm. also the way I dress, the, the, the references, I, I, what I see on television, what I read. And, and I believe that it's like a reciprocal. What you read inspires your design to the other way. I don't know how to say that. I think maybe like a feedback loop. So it's, yeah, that's why it's important to like keep looking at stuff, um, keep reading, keep trying to learn or um, just like find other interests and how can I mix this with design? Yeah. So for example, now I'm in, super into soap making and I'm just trying to think like how can I design a soap that looks nice? I just take my whole craft into this new thing and it's always going to be like that. <laughs> it's, it's a blessing and it's a curse though. Uh, well, you'll, you'll tell me what you think about this because I, I'm not going to say it's a compulsion, but like when you said thinking about the way you dress, um, I end up overthinking how I dress and I usually just get fed up and like, unless I'm going to a job interview, in which case I look amazing, but day to day jeans and a white shirt, because like, I just, I think about it too much and then it's like not exactly what I wanted and then I get angry and then I leave my house like knowing I that I just put on what was clean. <laughs> but I'm not happy about that. I just did it. Uh, when I try to cook, oh my God. If I decide I'm going to learn how to make bread or make pizza, there will be like sleepless nights staring at the fermentation of this dough because I want to dial it in just so. And I hope your soap making doesn't become that. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to not. But I do understand the compulsion. I have that like with um, the organization of my house, um, mm. whatever I put on my walls, like every like my boyfriend was saying, like, oh, you just love putting stuff on the walls. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> but well, like, duh. duh, it's beautiful. Like, I want to stare at it all day. You know what I mean? And. Trying to balance that out and also living with another person is hard. It has its yeah. things. Um, but like they they start to understand you. Um, yeah. So yeah, my boyfriend's like, oh, I know that you like this color. So I'm going to, I bought you something. This, or oh. you know what I mean? Look, if there's anything to be, I guess, specific about, it's where you live, right? It's like the one thing you can control. In, in the world, or it's the one thing you have some amount of control over is your personal space. And now that we work in that sure. space, it's like, man, like if you're gonna put your energy anywhere into making something comfortable and the way you like it, the only other thing I can think of is your tools. Uh, if you don't like your tools, you're not gonna use them. And if you don't use your tools, well, you're not gonna have a job. Yeah, exactly. I, I have the same thinking about my house. And like for me, my house is like the only thing I can control. 
and I can make feel nice and lovely and how I always pictured it. And it's a really nice part of being a, a grown-up. <laughs> I was thinking about that the other day. Like, I could just buy whatever I want, and I just put it there. Like, there's no one, no one telling me, like, oh, no, whatever, that looks bad. Or, and I love it. But at the same time, I think it can get out of control. <laughs> yeah, just because I love having pretty stuff on, on the wall. <laughs> I can actually go the other way. I never had a microwave. The place we moved into has one. But I hate the idea of a microwave. Like, and the, the reason I hate it is on a design level. Anything I can do in a microwave, I can do on a stove. But everything I can do on a stove, I can't do in the microwave. So in terms of like Occam's razor and in terms of a design is perfect when there's nothing left to remove and nothing left to add, well, guess what? The microwave's got to go. So it, it just can really take over. Function over form. I, kind of... I guess, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I just don't want shit everywhere. Like the less things, the better. I, I'm the same. I hate mess and like I hate I, cleaning. I, no, I am. I am the opposite. I, I well, every, everybody. I feel like nobody likes cleaning, but I, mm-hmm. if I see mess, I have to clean it. Yeah, and it's because I, I feel it's something about design too. Like I don't like seeing shit everywhere, mm-hmm. and and I have control over it. Yeah, snap so, that to a grid. What's that? Someone yeah, left the scissors. Those go it, on the grid somewhere. Snap exactly. Them. Yes. Yeah. Like there's a there's a box for that. Like the, <laughs> mm-hmm. there's a drawer for that. Like yeah. Oh my gosh. Are we? Oh, it's a sickness. I think it's yeah. I just realized maybe it's the compulsion. <laughs> At least we can make a profit off it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like honestly, the, the use of grids. I can't stress this enough. Mm-hmm. It's super important in mm-hmm. whatever you do. Grids that serve a hierarchy and a flow and an organization. Oh, my God. And hierarchy. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that that's one of the most important things we have to to learn as designers. Yeah. And, you know, it's the world is pretty lazy. Like, I'm looking at a bottle of ketchup right now, and it's axial. Everything is just a line center. And, I mean, it doesn't matter. It's just a label on ketchup. But, <laughs> like, if that's your hierarchy and that's your organization and that's how you divide up information in editorial or in any space or on a web page i mean you're sunk yep it, you need more you need and you need to start thinking like when you go out into the world whether you're looking at the controls on your microwave or an, an ad on the ttc or a brochure how is this organization serving a hierarchy and a flow and a division of content Oh, um, for sure. And, and, and that's really important because also some types of things have some types of hierarchies that are all so have become like a code. And then when you're doing it, you have to t- have those in mind too. Um, I don't have a, like an, a, a quick example of it, but like... I, I can think of one. I, I, if I think, if what you're saying is what I think you're saying, like there are things that we assume will be a certain way. Yes. Here's a real simple one. You know how sometimes you grab a door handle and you pull the door handle, but it wants to be pushed? Uh-huh. That The code of that style of door handle, it's coded as a pull handle. But the designer messed up because that door is a push door. So now you're standing there pulling on this handle that looks like it's for pulling when the designer wanted it for pushing. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 and it applies for graphic too. 
Like, yeah. we also have to understand that we can't create, like, there's some codes that already are so established that you want to go with those um, just because, you know, they, they work. I mean, some simple ones are just like, how do you identify that a piece of text is a link and not just a piece of text, right? Maybe it's an underline, maybe it's a different color, you know, and if you do underline some text on a web page, you can't underline it for emphasis because people are going to think that that's a link. Yeah. Or how do you, how do you have a, a candle label? I have one in front. And how are you going to, like, you can't put everything on the same hierarchy because, like, people already know where they're going to read if they want to see how many ounces it has or what, what that font right. is going to look like or, or how tiny is it going to be because it's not going to occupy half of the label. Right. And, and those are kind of set of codes that we as designers also need to start looking at and how these work and how, like, for example, the legals on the advertising. Like you can't put those huge. You have mm -hmm. to start being really conscious about how those graphic treatments are around you. You can yeah. look at the labels in your food. And that's, that's the great example I, I maybe I can relate to. Like I, I see on the supermarkets and I start seeing, you also always pick like maybe the nicest box. Like mm -hmm. I choose food depending on how it looks on the box. Maybe it's not a good yeah. Um, way to go but I do that and that's how I start training your eye so oh, okay I'm seeing a pattern all of these are tiny or I don't know the the way of differentiating that this is an Italian sauce with pepperoni blah 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 is italics so I'm gonna try and do that in my design but or, or color and or color and yeah and, and those things you, you just learn by looking mm -hmm. It's the trickiest thing is you don't even know, like you may not have an awareness that you know that. You look at some typography and you're like, that looks like a beer label. But most people can't tell you why that looks like a beer label, right? Yeah. And I think that may be another code, like certain colors and type treatments and symbols. For sure. Have... Illustrations, types, mm -hmm. tones. So everyone keep your eye open for those things. And when you see them, try to metacognate is the word metacognition like think about what you're thinking and think about as louisa said maybe how you would do it different or how you would change your work based on that knowledge will really make you stronger and ask yourself why did the designer do this i think that's probably been now that you say it that might be like the single best thing you can do as a young designer is ask yourself why did this designer make this choice yeah for sure wow louisa it's been an hour and 15 minutes. Oops. It flew by for me anyways. I hope it did for you too. Same, yeah. Do you have, is there anything you want to you wanna touch on or anything you think maybe we missed or? Mm, no, I think, I think uh, we've covered a lot of things and I hope that this is going to be super useful for someone. And yeah, good luck to all of the designers out there and find whatever you love and do it. I mean, I can't think of better advice than that. So um, I guess we can end it here. Thank you so much for your time. And uh, it's been really helpful for me. And I hope it's helpful for everyone else. And I really appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. Have a great week. You too. Best of luck. Thanks so much. Bye.